What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. And welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. And we're back with another series of our summer scouting. And today we're going to talk about probably my favourite topic and my guest's favourite topic as well. The the big boys at the, at the front, the offensive linemen, both the offensive tackles and the interior guys. Um, and I'm joined by the man that is Keith. Keith, how are you doing, mate? Long time no speak. Yes, mate. Good, thanks. Um... The the tackles and the 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 whole offensive line in general is a I don't know it's it's like a, it's marmite I think for for fans isn't it it's it's the it's the place where everything starts um, but for most people the skill positions always take the glory but for me scouting offensive linemen always probably my favourite position actually I think. Likewise, it's like our passion. And I know for the draft guide, it was all me and you were talking about. And yeah. when we when we when we found like our guys on our offensive line sort of in the in the WhatsApp group, we couldn't stop talking about them. So um any splash plays by an offensive lineman takes presence for us over any any like beautiful throws or touchdowns or beautiful sacks. It's oh that footwork on the that offensive lineman is uh, yeah. is is what we watch Saturdays for, right? <laughs> Strangely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we should, but yeah, I do find. And I think we had a we had a pretty similar grade uh, for our guys last year. So I think we see them pretty much the same way. So this should be interesting. <laughs> Great minds think alike, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so moving on to the format as per usual. So we're gonna go through our top five um, and then our overrated and underrated guys as well. And we're going to start off with our tackles and then we're going to move on to our interior guys, so our guards and our centres. Um, so, Keith, um, do you want to kick us off? Well, do you want to kick us off with sort of your overview on what the offensive tackle classes lo- looks like this year? And then do you want to start off with your your fifth guy? Yes, yeah. I think um, so the tackles, the tackles are scary because I'm not sure I've got anyone here that I'm going to invest in uh, and sell my soul for. But I will say there's two guys here that by the end of the season, you may well be hanging your hat on. Um, but it's all it's projections. There's a lot of these guys, I think, are projections. The interior guys, I've got a lot more um, veteran, I guess. I, I like, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys went back last year as well that could have come out. Um uh, in, on the interior, I think, uh, whereas I've got a lot more sort of younger pups for the tackle position. Um, I don't think this is as strong as last year or, or last few years. Um, but like I said, I think with development, you know, if the if the guys that I think can take the next step do take the next step, I think there will be a bit of cream at that top that I think uh, the teams will cover. Agreed, agreed. So hit me with your your fifth guy. So uh, tackle number five is Dewan Jones of Ohio State. Um, a massive, massive human being, six foot eight, 360. Um, and when I'm watching him, I'm getting Trent Brown kind of vibes. Um, now, Trent Brown uh, was selected in the seventh round. 
So he wasn't he wasn't highly thought of at the time of the draft. Obviously, if he was to redraft him now, he'd probably it, he's not an elite player now, but you know he would probably carry a third round grade now. That's where I think Dewan Jones is. Um, he can be embarrassed by speed rushers, and that man that size he's is a decent athlete for that size. I don't care how good you are, six eight three sixty. You're not gonna the bendy pass rushers will beat you. So I'm also getting a little bit of worry like we had with Darren Kennard last year. Um, he's somewhere in between Kennard and Brown for me. In the right system, I think he's a he's a regular starter. Um, I'm not sure how much upside there is. Um, you know, I, I think he's what he is. But what he is, is a massive man who's a, a very mean man and you don't want to get in the way of that in the, in the run game, the man, you know, he will crush you. Um, there are just worries in pass protection for me, but like I said, you don't build them quite like this. If he can live up to sort of the Trent Brown end of it, I think you get a very good player on day two. <clears throat> to be honest, he's not someone on my radar. I haven't done, I haven't done much film study of him. Um, we love, we love our, sort of our violent run run guys that sort of <laughs> are able to go to the second level or, or to or to throw those pancakes and just to, to finish guys off um <clears throat> with that being the, and is he more of a like a left tackle or can he play left no, or no, right no. no this i think he's exclusively right i don't think you can you he's a be a liability on the left like I said, it's, it's like canard where i think a lot of people wanted him to play left tackle for kentucky and i think they're pleased they stuck him out on the right still he probably should have gone to guard perhaps um, Dewan Jones, I think, yeah, he's, I think it's exclusive right tackle. And how can you, you know, that lessens your draft value somewhat just being a right tackle only. Um, you could move him to guard, you'd have an absolute monster in there. Um, at least then you're limiting the space he needs to work in as well, which would play in a favor. But yeah, big dude, that Ohio State offensive line in general is pretty tasty. Well, it, it in all honesty. It can't get much worse from last year because I was not, as you well know, when we were on the same page, uh, Nicholas Petit yeah. Ferrer and, and Taya Munford weren't great. So, no. so in, in that in in that sense, it should only get better. And that actually probably leaves a good segue onto to my f- fifth guy, which is going to be a bit of a surprise. It's Paris Johnson, and the reason oh. is the reason is it's it's a pure projection of how he's going to do a tackle because we have no tackle tape. Yeah. Um, he obviously he played at guard last year. Um, what obviously stands out is 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 run. He's he's a very good run blocker, um, but we don't know how good he is in pass protection. And I was watching a couple clips from the uh, uh, spring practice, and it sent a couple shivers down my spine. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> like there's a lot of hype around Paris Johnson. It's probably OT one in a lot of consensus draft boards, but um, I. I yeah I didn't like what I see I think there was a uh, is it Jack Snyder who's a higher state as one of their pass rushes um yeah, yeah. yeah it, it it didn't have to do much to get around him and just the footwork and the um the lack of balance and the lack of fluidity in the hips as well really did worry me so <clears throat> that's why I probably got him as five and a lot lower than than consensus because we just don't know and he he could end up being come come April time, OT1, and he could have a phenomenal season at Ohio State. And as a run blocker, you saw sort of 
how good he was then opening up those lanes for Travion Henderson to to absolutely go ballistic last year. <clears throat> but it, it, there's just a question mark next to his name because we just don't know what to expect. And just from what I've seen on the spring practices, I'm just a little bit of a a little bit hesitant before moving moving him up my board. Um, so that's that's probably a bit of a, a curveball for yourself. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> who's your, who's your number four? Uh, that, that, I think your points there with Paris Johnson are very valid. Uh, we'll get to him soon. Um, number four, I've got Anton Harrison. Oklahoma um he's a funny one for me because at times he's absolutely dominant um but it's in the big 12 and we know the big 12 defenses aren't great edge rushers there are not um, not particularly NFL caliber and he almost looks as though he's coasting through games but there's so much natural ability that I want to try and back that um because the feet, the movement is effortless. Um, it's, it's got decent uh, arm length. You know, there's enough violence there. I, I just feel he's in third gear for the entire game. And of course, and, a, and a, if you're going to back a franchise tackle, you, you want someone who's going to play hard all the time. Um, I don't always see that. I just see someone, but it, like I said, in a way, I think it's because everything is too easy for him. Um, I've been burnt with Oklahoma offensive line in the last few years. I had um, the guards rated quite highly last year. Um, so I am worried about him. But when I'm, you know, the games I saw of last year, it's just, there's just too much natural talent there um, for me not to put him on the list. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I don't have him in my top five and he is, he's Marmite. Like, he, he you get some yeah. really really good plays especially on in, in in the running game like he would suit an outside zone scheme whereby like his his speed and agility and moving to the second level uh it really splashes off the page but there was a game against Oklahoma State where he really struggled against the twitchy and bendy pass rushes his pass protection has got a lot of work um and a lot of that's based upon his hand placement i don't think his hand placement's very good at all um he's got the ideal ideal stature and ideal size 66320 but there's a lot to work lot to work on the foundations in there and the fundamentals are there and the very good plays are very good but unfortunately, when I was studying the tape, the very bad plays are also very bad. Um, so um, again, like you said at the start, like it's it a lot of these are projections, and he could go one way or another this year. Um, he could do what like maybe one guy either of us may mention, but he could do like a like a Jackson Kirkland, where a lot of people <laughs> were talking about him last year as a as a top prospect and um, sort of had had the the capabilities and the fundamentals to be a top offensive tackle, but there was a lot to clean up as on as well. And unfortunately for him, it, it, it went the wrong way, but, um, but yeah, <laughs> I think, <laughs> but uh, I think a good point with the Oklahoma state tape and you're right. Um, that the bad plays in that game were bad enough. They've got a really undersized um, edge rusher. I can't remember his name. It's a single digit guy and he embarrassed him at times. And, he never responded. I think that's what the, the worst thing. Sometimes you can get beat. Uh, I remember Tyler Smith last year, the Tulsa kid. Um, like if he got beat, his head went down immediately, and it took him like another drive to recover. The same thing happened to Anton Harrison. 
in in the Bedlam game last year. Never really recovered from from sort of a, an opening drive uh, disaster. The rest of the tape is littered with, like I said, elite movements. I just want to back the upside um, rather than be negative, I suppose. But he does worry me. Like I said, a lot of these tackles worry me a little bit. Agreed. Yeah, I don't. If if you were to combine last year's class with this year's, I'm not none of these guys would probably touch, especially the top three. Um, but yeah, no, if, if we're talking, if we just go back to Tyler Smith for a second, if Tyler Smith went back, where would he rate for you? Um, if he continued the the projection he was going on, and probably like a lot of these guys, cleaned up some some of his fundamentals. What he has as his base and his foundation, he would have been OT one. I think yeah, I think I would have put him at OT one. The level he came out now, as opposed with these guys as well, I would have put him OT one still. Yeah, agreed. And I agreed. think that's probably telling you what we think of this class. I mean, he ended up being a first round pick and deservedly so for the upside. Um, but I think that tells you what this class is. It's a little bit, yeah, projection based. And then going on from that, my number four is. Peter Skronsky from Northwestern. So probably another guy that you may have a little bit higher. Um, I think what jumps off the tape for me, he's got very small arms, (laughs) Um, which looks like it looks like he's, he's got, he's probably out of all the tackles, probably the most technically sound. He's got the smoothest of footwork and he's, he's got that ability to anchor. There was a a lot of fun tape um, versus Purdue last year with George, uh, that's it, Carol Fattis, or I, I can never pronounce his surname, but Fattis, yeah. yeah, and and there's some real sort of good ding dong battles there, which which that that that's a good benchmark and a good um of a good barometer to to, to obviously peg on 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 his skill set. I just think he's he's he reminds me of like the Sean Ryan of last year, just solid, dependable. Maybe yeah. could move into guard, but he's, he's obviously been a tackle all his career at Northwestern, but um, probably the most solid technically out of all the tackles. But he, I like a tackle that sort of is, is like a, that dancing bear, like has mm-hmm. splash plays and want the, sort of the wow factor in a tackle if there is such a thing. I think Skronsky's the, the most most solid out of the lot and hence why I've got him at number four. That's, that's fair. And that's a great segue because he's my number three. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I had him, I knew what he was, but this morning I watched the Michigan tape and the Purdue tape just to clarify some things for me. And he is, he's, um, he's Mr. Steady, isn't he? Um, I don't see massive amount of upside, but the, the baseline is quite high. So I'm not so worried about that. The, the, you know, the floor is, is, is nice high floor. Like you said, probably it, well, it actually, I don't have any doubt he's the most technically sound tackle I've got on my list. Um, the Carl Loftus battles were brilliant. You're right. And he won some, he lost some, um, but that's the first round player he was going up against. That's a great benchmark. And I thought he did pretty well against Aiden Hutchinson. Um, the one that gave him the most trouble was Ajabo. Um, but I think Ajabo had much more length than the other two. And, you know, Ajaba got into his chest and, and yeah, Skoronsky's arms aren't long enough, probably. Uh, he may well be a guard. Um, but, yeah, no. Technically, probably the best tackle of the group. Probably a first-round grade. 
you know, I, I don't know. Um, depends what the arm length comes in. If he's shorter, you know, the, the, you're going to have to move him inside. Um, but yeah, number three for me. Um, and I think there's a limited upside with him, but he, he would be a plug and play. People will compare him to Rashawn Slater as well, not just because of the school, but because of the, the shorter arms and, and that sort of build. Um, he's not rush on Slater. Slater was a different animal. This is, you know, this is Slater Diet Coke times two. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, Slater was, it's, Slater, I think, um, yeah, he, he's far more technically sound and <clears throat> he's, he's he has that wow factor, especially with his footwork, whereas Skronsky, I don't think, for me, has that. But um, no, interesting, you've got number three. Someone that probably could potentially have that wow factor and has a lot of upside for me Jaden Duncan out of Maryland he's my he's my number three six six three twenty he is a redshirt senior so that's obviously a uh, a question mark with regards to how much more development that it is there with him but what I noticed off the tape straight away his feet are really quick and he's really agile mover especially in in the run game and moving to the second level um and you mentioned the tape um, Northwestern with Scrancy against Ajabo and, and Hutchinson. That was some really fun tape that Jaden Dun- Duncan had against against those two as well and really held his own. Um, Maryland are, are sort of one of those talked about teams this year. They've got they've got a few they've got a few prospects that are sort of <clears throat> um, they they could have a, a sort of a more draft caliber um, individuals this year than than previous years which they're going to be on the radar of, the, of, of obviously the national audience and um i think jen duncan's definitely one that i really like i think he's the prototypical 66320 so nfl teams are going to love that and that take that box and um yeah again i think he will thrive in an outside zone scheme with just his agility and um his ability to just move to that second level so um He's my number three. I don't know if if you've got him in your in your list, but um, any thoughts on Duncan? He didn't make my list, um, but he wasn't far off it. And it's funny because I thought I had him higher than most, and then I saw um, I forget what site was recently that someone had him at OT one, and then I'm thinking, oh, I'm not there. I'm not on that level. Uh, am I now? Yeah, am I now classing as overrated? I'm not sure. Um, I thought I thought Tate was good. You're right. The Michigan tape was uh, was decent, and he is incredibly agile. Um, I see some strength concerns, a little bit of strength concerns. Um, I would put him on a par. He reminds me quite a bit of Anton Harrison, where I think he's, he's quite naturally gifted and doesn't always like. There's a, a sort of a lack of consistency, perhaps, with him that, that just makes me pause a little bit. Um, like I said, I thought I was fairly high on him, but yeah, it appears that um, he's shooting up the board. So I'll have to take a back, back step with that. I do think the Maryland offense, offense is, is going to be pretty good this year. Um, obviously, the quarterback's chucking it around. Not an NFL prospect, but it's fun. He's going to he's going to make it fun and interesting. Uh, they've got wide receivers galore. Uh, and the offensive line, I think all five of them, when I was studying Duncan, um, a couple of others stood out as, as you know, day three kind of guys but they've got some guys on there and the right tackle will be one for next year i forget his name there typically i think it's glaze um i think he i assume he will move to left tackle next year um and he could be probably better than duncan in my opinion because he he looks very good 
interesting now i'll have to I'll have to note glaze in my in my scouting notebooks for for next year so there's a little tidbit there for everyone keith's already always, looking always, yeah, always looking oh plus one year plus one right yeah who wants to stay in still <laughs> who's, who's your number two mate number two so you've already gone we've i've gone with paris johnson um now you're absolutely right that his massive projection because we've never seen him play tackle um and I haven't seen the spring game, so now you've got me, you got me shitting it a bit. <laughs> but he was the number one recruit out of high school. Uh, I have seen the high school tape. If you can, you can get on YouTube and see that. And that is, um, well, it's murdering players. Uh, you know, he's physically dominant at that high school level. Comes in red shirts, doesn't play a ton. Starts a guard last year, and I thought he was excellent. Um, Physical, physical run blocker. Um, I don't think there's any argument about that. The pass pro is a slight worry. And if you're going to move him to left tackle, are we exposing um, a potential weakness there and highlighting? I mean, look what happened to their whole line last year. That left side with Petit Freer and Mumford just was hopeless. They could have done worse possibly than putting Paris Johnson out there at some point um, to take take one of their spots. Um I'm going to back the upside. From what I've seen, um, I think he's going to be a really good athlete. I think he's going to test exceptionally well. I do worry about the pass pro, but I'm going to back those beautiful feet and the aggression. I'm going to bank on that, and I'm going to bank on him keeping CJ Stroud upright and people noticing that and um, jumping off of um, Stroud's success, hopefully. Uh, for Ohio State fans, I think Paris Johnson may, may, and he's a big may, but may leap to the top of this list. But I've got him at two now. He could be, honestly, mate, he could be anywhere from five to two, I think, if, you know, he's projection. A oh, 100% projection. And um, no, like, I, I have seen some of the high school tape, and he is, he is a, he was a monster at high school. Um, but a lot of eyes going to be in Ohio State this year. A lot of people have got them as their favourites this year for for the national championship and um yeah he, he's got a, a pivotal role in keeping cj stroud on this year yeah so um so yeah good my number two is um matthew bergeron or beggaron from syracuse so six five three thirty the reason why he popped popped out to me and and he's my number two is i watched the uh, uh, the Syracuse game against Clemson last year and obviously Clemson have got Miles Murphy who's one of the top uh, pass rushers coming out this year he was brilliant he was absolutely brilliant um, what I noticed straight away he's got a really good kick slide um, he anchors really well his, his hips are really fluid and he's got very good hand placement um, he's he's Canadian so he got uh, recruited out of uh, Canadian high school Um but I think out of all the tackles, and obviously he's not my number one, but out of all the tackles, you know when you just you see a tackle and you get that warm, fuzzy feeling and you think, oh, this, this, this guy's definitely got something about him. I, that's my guy for this year, I think. Um, I'd definitely be tuning into a lot more Syracuse games just to see his progression and see how he does. But um, I really like him. And I think um, he's definitely someone under the radar that people may 
can start talking about as we go through the season. That's yeah, that's a snuck up on me that one. I haven't done enough on him. Um, I did watch the Clemson game. You're right, and he's yeah, I'm a big Miles Murphy fan, and he did handle him. Uh, but I've got a feeling I watched it's either Rutgers or Duke game. I can't remember for him, and he struggled. Um, but again, you've seen uh, you've seen the the high end against Murphy, and if you, you know, yeah, if you back that, and you see the traits in that game back then. And, and yeah, that's a good shout. It's a good shout. So, going on to number one, I think there's one name that neither of us have mentioned that's probably been in the consensus top three across a lot of draft boards. I'm wondering if me and you have the same guy. I'm gonna let you review, reveal who your number <laughs> one guy is, and if and uh, let's see if you have the same guy as I do. Go on, hit, hit us with who's your number one. I, I don't know if I, we have got the same one. Uh, I'm going massive projection again, and I'm going Broderick Jones. Georgia. Oh, we don't. We don't. Wow. No, I didn't think so. No, because um, this this is um, Paris Johnson's a projection. Broderick Jones doesn't have a great deal. He has four starts from last year, uh, filling in for uh, Salia left tackle when he was hurt. Um, and I watched I watched three of those starts, and he was unbelievable. Um, he was only he was the number two recruit coming out the same year as Paris Johnson. So obviously those two have come through together. The guy, he's, I mean, he's he's, he's, an, he's going to be an amazing athlete. You can see that, um, athletically gifted, strong, just so natural, but incredibly raw. Still, um, got done up like a kipper against Georgia Tech. I went back and watched that film to the, this morning. Just because I thought, oh, Georgia Tech's available, I watched that, and he had a bit of a, a bit of a stinker. So it just makes me a little bit nervous. But we've seen three quality starts, one not so great start, and then he came in for Sally in the national championship game, and was amazing. And he held up against Will Anderson and any other Alabama pass rusher that came his way. That's not easy to do. He's a red shirt freshman. I'm absolutely backing the traits. The, the rawness, I think, I mean, could he do two more years? Probably, but he's not going to because if he tears it up and Georgia do well again, it'll be a first rounder and a top, top pick. I just don't want to see that Georgia tape again because that's just the thing that just, nor in a way because now we've seen something where it, perhaps he wasn't focused. I don't know. I've got a feeling Georgia had already uh, qualified for the SEC championship game at that point. So this Georgia Tech game probably wasn't a great you know level razor for them um plus they beat up on them pretty pretty spectacularly and he didn't really have to care but it did show some weaknesses he got spun around a couple of times i hate it when a tackle turns his back on the play as well that's oh it's a bit of a no but he's young i'm back i'm backing the young pup to, to become a proper alsatian this year a bulldog. Those would have been a better one. A bulldog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I I had him on my list, and the the one word I've got next to him is raw. Like, yeah. uh, but the upside is there. I totally agree with you, hundred percent. And and that national championship game against Will Anderson, I hundred percent agree with you. It was between him and Paris Johnson as my number five because they're both projections. Um, yeah, I, I just thought I've just seen more of Paris Johnson um, in terms of his ability in the run game. Uh, to, to sort of maybe have him as five. Um, but interesting that you have 
Jones is number one. My number one is Blake Freeland out of BYU. So ah. 6'8", 305. So he was a former quarterback and then transitioned over to tight end before he then moved over as an offensive tackle. He's probably the most agile and quickest with his feet out of all the tackles I studied. And he's very, very good at pass pro. Obviously, the competition for BYU is the question mark. So how good is that pass protection against sort of better, more elite competition? He's allowed one sack in two years, um, but he's not just a very good pass protector. He's he's a people mover in the run game as well. And he's really, um, really quick in getting to the second level. There was a play I watched where he got to the second level and he absolutely killed the linebacker and sent him uh, over to the sideline. And I haven't looked up whether that linebacker is still alive yet <laughs> but um yeah he's my number one i i really like him um six eight as well 305 so um there's a lot of body to work with as well and even just i think one of the things i probably would say is if you could add maybe 15 15 to 20 more pounds um as he's because he's still very young at the position because obviously he wasn't he didn't start off as offensive tackle adding a, adding a little bit more weight and having another season under his belt of playing tackle, I think his traits are exciting enough where I should expect even more progression this year. He's uh, someone I sort of discounted early on coming from BYU. I assume he's done a mission. Um, and if he has, then he's going to be an older prospect. Uh, so I just sort of, sort of unfairly possibly sort of bump those guys down. Uh, do you think he's better than... Um, christensen from the other year so yeah that that was that was the question like because obviously brady christensen came out and he hasn't really pulled up many trees in in the league um i do think he is better and i think there's more upside with him they're very similar body type uh, because christensen's very tall and 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 lean and and that isn't could do with more weight i i just think with freeland um he's he's a more well-rounded prospect because he's, he's good at both pass pro and, and run blocking as well. So um, I'll probably have freedom just above Christensen. I, I like Christensen actually coming out of college. So um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how Blake, Blake Freeland does this year, but um, yeah, he's my number one. So let's see. Uh, let's see how that pans out. So um, moving on. I was, to, I was, I was on Christensen too. Um, I, I really like Christensen. And I think his pass pro was, was excellent, um, but in hindsight, it probably wasn't as strong as you need to be. Uh, so if you're saying Freeland's a, a better overall prospect, that's, that's, that's a positive then for sure. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, we should wait and see because uh, that, that, that's the one thing. The, comp- the competition for BYU isn't, isn't as advanced as the likes of Jones and Johnson and, 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 and the other guys we've mentioned as well. So um, yeah. we'll go from there. Um, cool. And then, in terms of your overrated and underrated guys, so do we just quickly gloss over them? So who's your overrated and underrated guys there, Keith? Uh, so overrated, I'm, I think I had him last year, so I feel terrible, but I'm, I'm still picking on Zion Nelson. Yes, uh, same here. Just <laughs> bin him enough. The project is yeah. the, the project has run its life cycle now. Just it's over. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and I feel sorry for him because I think we said last year he got thrown in at the deep end. Has never really recovered, I don't think. I think he may have got better every year. It's just that we're not at the level that I think people want him to be at. Um, yeah, you can take him mid day three and, and 
see what you've got props but i don't you know people still thinking he's a first round of no way no no that that ship has sailed like he's put on over 120 pounds in the space of three years and, and he's got himself to a, a a tackle body type but i was i i had hope for him coming into this season but that first game against alabama which was just like <laughs> yeah. oh no oh you were just a, a turnstile and i feel i'm i'm really high on tyler van dyke this year but then i've got a big question mark like is he just going to be absolutely destroyed with that turnstile <laughs> left tackle so yeah, will he live? <laughs> yeah exactly will he live to see an nfl contract we don't know um so yeah he he's my overrated as well and then um in terms of an underrated guy i'll kick off with an underrated guy so my my underrated guys a, a team that's going to be in in probably in a lot of uh people's eyes this year in terms of tennessee is darnell Wright. And the reason why I've got him as an underrated guy, because he was a, a five-star recruit, he's a highly coveted recruit. Um, he moved from um, left tackle to right tackle, but I think he's going to go back to right tackle. Um, he's 6'6", 330, and obviously he's got a big job in keeping up Hendon Hooker this year. But I just think former five-star, he's got the raw materials in terms of footwork, um, decent pass protection. Tennessee are, uh, are going to be heavy in the run game as well with a dual threat quarterback. Um, so he's one just to keep on the radar, just because there could be a big leap there. Um, so and because he, he's got the he's the prototype size and 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 weight. So let's see how he progresses. But he's just one to just keep under the radar. And again, a projection it could go one way or another. But done all right for me is one to just keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't mind him. Uh, I think the problem with him was that, like you said, he was a higher five-star recruit, so the expectations were always there. I'm not sure he's ever quite lived up to those, um, which is probably unfair on him. You know, uh, but yeah, the tape is is solid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've got um, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm doing two, but they're on the same team, so I think that's fair. Um, I've got both Ole Miss tackles, so I'm quite a big fan of Jeremy James, and he was playing right tackle last year. He's going to move over to left tackle. They've moved Nick Broker inside to guard and they've brought in Western Kentucky's right tackle, Mason Brooks, to man Jeremy James' old spot. So the if you ever if you watched Western Kentucky last year with Bailey Zappi, you know that was a pretty fun offense. What it did mean was they were passing a lot. Um not quite a run and shoot, but pretty wide, pretty wide open offense. Uh, so Mason Brooks lovely footwork incredibly aggressive probably to a detriment at times um he may get a little overset and try and pummel someone when uh just just hang on mate and ride him out um but it's interesting that he's transferring into to an sec program uh where he will get tested and i think he has the capability to end up being like um the the central michigan fella um the right tackle Gadecki last year that's same yeah, yeah. with mason brooks but i was already a massive fan of jeremy james on the right hand side moving into left tackle he's someone that i could see well it depends it depends <laughs> i mean he might be hopeless at left tackle and if he is he's this yeah we're, we're going to go off some right tackle tape and hopefully take him later on but uh if he's a success at left tackle with some excellent right tackle tape already in the SEC, and I'll miss with their fancy offense. All that's going to change, I imagine, a little bit. Uh, I, I, yeah, I can see a riser for Jeremy James. 
Well, that's covered all of our offensive tackles, um, but we're not finished yet because we're not going to we're not going to forget the interior guys as well. So our guards and centers. So again, it's going to be the same format. We'll, we'll quickly run through who's uh, who's our top fives and 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 give a brief brief snippet on why we think they're in our top five and then our overrated and underrated as well. Again, before before we went live, me and me and Keith spoke about some of these guys. They may there may be tackles that are in that maybe project more to interior guys or there might be interior guys that maybe project better tackles. So there may be some overlap, but um let's see who we've got as our as our guys. So Keith, fire away my friend. Okay, so number five, I'm taking the very steady Notre Dame centre Jarrett Patterson. Um three year starter Probably, in all fairness, should have come out last year. Um, I think I think it would have been a day two player last year. Um, he's gone back. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not sure what else he can prove. Uh, he's given up no career sacks. He's just a good all-round uh, centre. Intelligent, decent athlete, not special. Decent strength, not special. He's almost like the Skoronsky of the interior for me. Very high floor, very knowledgeable and sensible player one you don't mind taking and inserting into your lineup and you won't you know you won't notice him he'll be nice and steady um i don't know if he's the he's the top center on my board but i don't mind a couple of others as well so um i think that's the the, the ceiling for pats and he's not great i think he's probably already at it or close to it so some of these other guys might overtake him but right now uh patterson's my number five well, it's funny you say that because I've got a, a, a centre at five as well, who's probably much rawer, but the upside is there. And that's Cedric Van Pran from, from Georgia. Uh, yeah. um, so he had the most snaps across all of Georgia's offence last year, uh, which is really interesting. He's still only a junior. Um, nasty, really loves to finish off his blocks. Um, he's got a good anchor in pass pro. He just, um, one of his tendencies is he tends to lunge quite a lot. Um, and especially in the run game, you just you don't like to see offensive linemen on the ground continuously, but that's something that he just needs to work on. Um, and that was quite evident in the National Championship game, but this will be year two as a full-time starter, and I think there's a lot to work with there. Um, 6 four, three, ten, so he's a, a tall side of, uh, of what uh, a centre is, but um, I think, like you said, there's Patterson and another guy, uh, Ricky Stromberg at Arkansas as well, who've probably... They're at their level already, whereas I think Van Van Pran's probably got a lot more scope to to develop his game uh, to be one of the top centres in the country. Yeah, he de- yeah, you're right. He definitely has a higher floor than the others. Uh, it was that national championship game that just made me just go a little bit hesitant on him because he did he, he got roughed up a bit. Um, he did, he did, but they won. So you know, <laughs> yeah, they won got- and. That was year one as a full-time starter, so like, absolutely, uh, upside uh, is there for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, who's your number four? So this is the first of I've got two current tackles, but they I think they've got a project inside a guard. Uh, so this one is Jordan McFadden of Clemson, a six-two-three-ten at the moment. He's playing left tackle, which is obviously not ideal, but the. I don't know what his arm length is, but his arms are incredibly long. So he manages to get away with being 6'2 and playing tackle at a high level. Uh, I don't think that can happen at the NFL level. 
which is a shame because he, he he's clearly Clemson's best lineman. The rest of that line is pretty bang average, to be honest. Um, he's clearly the, the best player on that line. They've got him at left tackle probably because of that, and he's held up incredibly well. Uh, upside, I don't know. You know, I think you have to chuck him inside. I think, I think he's a day two type, but he's such an odd body shape that you know. I don't, I don't remember anyone six two, but with arms down to their knees, it's really odd to watch. But he's quite effective, so you know, he's just a good across the board. He's a three year starter. Spent, has played right tackle as well. It's funny because he's had very little snaps inside at all. But I think that's where his projection is, and. I think that's a yeah. I think it's a day two type, but people would definitely question the shape of him. He's odd. Yeah, I haven't watched much tape of him. Um, probably because Clemson were really forgettable last year. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, bin them. They're not worth watching. But um, yeah, no. From what you say, I think let's see, let's see how he looks and whether he projects more of a guard than a than a tackle. But um. Yeah, you've put me on his radar. You put I'll have him on my radar to, to to look at in a bit more detail. Um, my number four is Christian Mahogany from Boston College. Boston College know how to produce offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen. Um, Zion Johnson last year, obviously first ended up being a first rounder. Um, but he was he he, he was someone that didn't look out of place in the offensive line. They had uh, Lindstrom as well, Alec Lindstrom as well as center as well. So um, yeah, they, they know how to produce offensive linemen there, especially interior guys. What jumps off the page is he's Mauler and he's a finisher and he's able to bully linebackers. Um, again, versus Miles Murphy, he, he, he manhandled him and um Yeah. It seems, it seems like we're picking on Miles Murphy a lot this this, this podcast, but he's like he's like um who was it? he's like Drake Jackson from of this year's class, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you do work against Drake Jackson, then I don't know whether that's that's good or not. So, yeah. But um, but yeah, no fluid hips and good with his hands, and he's he's got a thick frame as well. At, um, he really holds that three eighteen pounds weight really well. Um. Still a lot to work on. He can get quite lazy um, and can tend to lunge, but um, he's someone that I like, and he's just solid. So, um, so yeah, no, definitely one for me for uh, for um, num- my number four. So, don't know if you've seen much of Mahogany. Yeah, so I'd have had Mahogany on my list, and he would have been well, probably at three, but he tore his ACL in the spring, so. We're probably not going to see him this year. Yeah. So I didn't still know that. took him. Didn't know that. So that's news to me. I see you learn something. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he's not probably not going to play this year. So I mean, obviously, there's a chance he doesn't come out. Um, and if he does, we're not going to have any fresh tape to look at. Um, but the tape we did have, you're right. I loved him. He says he's probably the most aggressive one on these lists. Oh no, possibly my number two might be. But yeah. He's he's an angry man, and you're right. Boston College churned these players out. So if it wasn't for the ACL, he'd yeah, he'd be on my list. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, listeners, 
delete what I've just said in the last five minutes and then fast forward it maybe next year and then <laughs> it's more applicable. Uh, so, so yeah, no, that was a curveball. Thanks, Keith. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Um, all right, number three. I've got Lane Robinson, Texas A&M. Okay. Um, so I haven't seen him rated very high. We're going to surprise people where we have him. Um, I really, really enjoyed his tape because whilst you're watching Kenyon Green last year, you can't help but notice Laden Robinson. You're supposed to be salivating over Kenyon Green and there were plenty of players where you did get out your seat with Kenyon Green. But I think Robinson outplayed him last year. And if that's the case, Kenyon Green goes, I forget where he went. 15? 15. Right, yeah, so... 15, yeah. Yeah, I've got high, high hopes for Laden Robinson. Uh, he's only a one-year star, so... This is, again, one of these projection-based um, picks, unfortunately. Uh, but, I mean, as a run blocker... Violent. I've got, Violent. I've got, I've got oh. one more that, that I'd put above him, but that is it, because the guy is an animal. Oh, um, I said, you, you can't help, but no, like I said, watching Kenyon Green, you cannot miss Robinson tossing these fellas out of the way for the run game. Um Pass pro will need work. Of course, there's only one year start. Backing the upside here. Um, I think you're backing the upside slightly more. Well, I've got him as my number one and ditto what you said, especially when watching Kenyon Green. He's the one that jumped off the page. He, he's so violent. He's physical. He loves to finish. Um, he's got good thickness, but he's he's got good length as well. So, um Again, what you said with regards to pass pro, like he can tend to panic a little bit, um, and that's where he's got to clean his game up. Like he 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 was playing right tackle in twenty one, so we project him as a guard. So that that may not be so sort of pertinent if if he does project as a guard. Um, that his pass pro is not as as polished as a, as, a, as a tackle would be. But um, love him like every year. If I see within the guard class or the interior class, if I see someone that is violent and finishes, they hold a place in my heart. And he is <laughs> the most violent finisher out of all of them that I've got in my list. So he's my number one. So obviously then I have someone else at number three. And again, I'm just going for solid and it's Ricky Stromberg at Arkansas. Um, he was eligible last year, wasn't he? I think, he, yeah, yeah. He, he possibly should have come out last year, but um, but he's nasty as well. Six four three ten. Um, what's noticeable is he's got really good hands and really like good grip strength, um, and he finds it very easy to climb to the second level. The biggest concern is he can be a bit of a penalty machine, and he's got to clean that up. Uh, I think he had eighteen penalties um, and. To, he's had 18 penalties throughout his career um so that's one area that he really needs to clean up but um he's i think for me he's the most solid out of all all the all the centers uh, i know you have patterson as that guy i i have stromberg um i like arkansas as well sec competition um mm-hmm. and yeah just i just you always get one of these guys every year in 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 each in each class that's a solid day two center sort of does exactly what he says on the tin kind of kind of prospect and and I think Stromberg's that guy for me. Yeah, it's not in my list, but 
I, I've just struggled with consistency with my saw a few games and one one game would be a highlight reel. I remember I think it's Old Miss, he absolutely annihilates everyone for the whole entire game. And then the next week, I don't know who he was playing, but he got lit up. Um so the highs are high, the lows are low. If he stays high as high, you're talking good upside player, absolutely. Indeed. Right, who's your number two? I think we may we may have the same number two. Let's 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 see. I've gone for a uh, transfer into the SEC in Osiris Torrance. Oh, interesting. I have him as my underrated guy simply because he's a transfer into the SEC, so we don't know much about him. But um, hey, I'll let I'll, 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 I'll let you talk about him because I think he, I've talked about Leighton Robinson as a crush. This guy could join him. <laughs> right, so my, yeah, the person I was saying that could is possibly just slightly nastier than Leighton Robinson is Osiris Torrance. Um, so he's been on a radar for a few years playing at Louisiana. Um, they've turned out some very good offensive linemen uh, and now he's going to go and play with his old coach at Florida. So now we really do see what he's about because um, obviously SEC week in, week out, if he can produce the level he's, he's done at um, ULL, I think we're on to Saint now. He is an amazing run blocker. Yeah. The pass protection is... He's one of those that is over-aggressive, so he will he will uh, lean and jolt at you, and he can miss, and it looks ugly. He'll be on the floor. Um, you expect, with SEC coaching, if that cleans up, I think we're on to a, 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 a round one kind of player. Um, it's 6'5", 332. Perfect. You could almost put him a tackle. I wouldn't um, yeah. because of the protection issues. Keep him where he is. He's an absolute animal in there. Florida's offensive line in general hasn't been great over the years. Um, so inserting someone like this into the lineup might kick a few of them up the backside and they may they may just all gel and he may be a bit of a star. They're going to get plenty of attention with the quarterback there as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Osiris Torrance. Certainly as a run blocker. I don't think there's a better run blocker in this group, including Layden Robinson. It's just the pass probe. I'm going with the the upside and the transfer. I, I love a transfer who's going to try and batten themselves and move up. Um, so I love this. Well, that's why I've, I've got him as my underrated guy because probably he hasn't been on the national radar, but he could be that rough diamond that is going to be polished mm-hmm. this year. I, I totally agree with you in terms of your analysis of him. Incidentally, he's never allowed a sack. So even though he can get really sloppy in pass pro, like he's never allowed a sack. So there's definitely something to work with there. That's crazy, is, isn't it? Cause, I know, I know, I know. I, 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 read, I read that and I was like, really? Like, but there's, yeah. um, he, he, maybe his athleticism is not top tier, but um, he, he, his power is just jumps off the page and um, yeah. I, I really, really like it. He, he, I didn't want to put him on my top five because he's just one I wanted to keep in my pocket that I hopefully you wouldn't mention. And then I was going to go, bang, he's my underrated guy. But oh, sorry, he, st- he stole the thunder, Keith. But I'll let you steal the thunder again because obviously my number two, I think, is your number one. So I'll let you give your number one the big... um the big uh, sort of big reveal, unless I've got it really badly wrong and it's not the same guy, but I think it is. So, <laughs> so far away, Keith. I'm going with the Kansas State current left tackle, 
Cooper Beebe as my uh, top interior guy. Um, he's 6'3", 320, so he's not the build of a left tackle. He doesn't have the arm length to get away with it, I don't think. Um, but what he is, he's a very, very high floor already. I think there's more to come as well. And if he transitions inside in the NFL, I, th- I think there's... Yeah, I think there's a special player there. Um, I don't see him. He's so he's, he's incredibly smooth. The pass pro is exceptional. Um, he's nasty in the run game without being overly strong. Does that make sense? He's sort of um, efficient. He's a, he's he's effective. But, uh, I think it, a great word. Great word. Yeah. yeah, efficient. He knows his angles. He's going to take the right angles to get you out of the way. Um, it's not he's not incredible strength, it's just yeah, great it's a good word. Efficiency through the run game. The pass pro is really, really good. Um I mean I've watched a, a couple of games and my god, it's, uh, it took on Stanford. I know Stanford are not perhaps renowned for their their uh edge rushes, but they were sending people like that went they play three four essentially. So we're getting outside linebackers coming at you, you're having the five techs. So you're having a difference of like 50 pounds over you from any given snap. Just handled each one so, so well. Um, I'm really high on him. If I put him in the tackle list, the arm length would be an issue. And he's going to go, he'd end up behind Skoronsky. And I, I think he'd probably get lost in that shuffle a little bit. Um, I think inside, I'll have him as one. I think he's the top one now. But I can see him being overtaken by the two guys behind him in my list um, if they have good seasons. Yes, yeah, so he's my number two, and ditto what you said. <clears throat> my my question would be: Could he be like this year's Iquanu, whereby we both had Iquanu Stonewall guard, and then he's just going to keep playing tackle, and then NFL evaluator is just going to say, "Well, actually, he's he's that good at left tackle." why the arm length is is the concern agreed yeah but um he's technically he's so sound and he's efficient and he's an effective in what he does um so what's to say that he couldn't be this year's a quantum in 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 just proving doubters wrong and actually ending up being a tackle i like i like that do i can't remember where we stood on a quantum at the end but i would still have used him at guard I still oh, felt there was issues. Yeah, I, I did him in the guide and I still have him as guard. I just think because yeah. he's his pass pro is wasn't as advanced as I would like it yeah. to be. I just thought like because his run his run blocking was just so damn good. But yeah. Um so yeah, I I had him definitely more as more of a guard, but um but yeah, Cooper Beeb is uh, definitely one to just yeah, just technically sound and just the, the the most the i think out of all the guards uh interior guys and uh outside guys he's probably even the most polished out of everyone i think yeah i, um, I compared him to Skoronsky. i think they're both they're nice the technical the traits the baseline traits are all there and they're really good um you just limit perhaps upside i don't know like i said i could see a couple of mine overtaking bb towards the end perhaps I don't know how much more we can get from him, but right now he's he's very, very good, and that's that's good enough. So we've gone through our top five lists. Um, I'm, and obviously I've, I've mentioned who my 
underrated guy is. I'll kick off with who my overrated guy is. And it's purely for the fact he comes from Alabama, so he's just going to be hyped up. But <laughs> Emil Ekior is pants. Like, yeah, <laughs> 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 he, he just always appears off balance and lacks power. Um, he really struggled against twitchy rushes. Like Bryce Bryce Young was just pretty much running for his life quite a bit at the time at Alabama last year. Um, he's got the ideal size and frame to be a really good guard, but it's just. Yeah, he's just really disappointing, and he's basically in the conversation because he plays for Alabama. But just because you play for Alabama doesn't mean you're good, um, and he is not very good. So overrated, and that was not a very difficult decision to put him as overrated. That's funny because I've got him as my overrated guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was going to give me some beef being a, a Bama fan, um, but you're right; it's, it's rubbish, man. Um, yeah. I've, I think we had had some same issues with him last year. Didn't improve. Um, just he's not. Yeah, he's not should be anywhere near anyone's lists. I don't think. Agreed. Agreed. And then who's your underrated guy that we should just keep an eye on as a, as one of your well, your Keith Nuggets for the year? <laughs> I've got two because I like two. I don't play one. Um, <laughs> I got two guys. Uh, both centers. Um, very different actually. Uh, Steve Avila. I think it's his name from TCU. Man is massive. Um, I think it's six three three fifty. It's probably too big, but he is a people mover as you'd expect. Um, he rarely makes it to the second level without falling over. But if you put him in in a, a, a power scheme, that's the kind of center you want. Uh, you could he'd probably play guard as well, Quavesy. Um But TCU are a funny team to evaluate. They've got some nice players, and they're so weak in some areas. Um, and, and the offensive line isn't great, but Avila is, is a clear standout for me. And one guy that really took me by surprise. I watched three games last year uh, when I was doing doing the, uh, the the weekly reviews, and I kept writing him down. So I thought I'll have a proper look at him against Cincinnati, and it's the uh, Central Florida center called Matthew Lee. I don't know a lot about him backstory or whatever, but the games I watched, the guy dominated every single game. And Cincinnati was a top, top, well, was top four team in the end. Um, the guy didn't look out of place. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not seeing him on any list anywhere. It's just a name. I'm going to throw it out there because he, in, in three or four games, he really, really did stand out to me. Um, he'll probably do absolutely nothing this year and go undrafted. Guys and girls listening, this is why we do the summer scouting. For our experts like Keith to give you that kind of nugget to <laughs> to say, like, watch out. Is it Matthew Lee? Matthew Lee. I've got another one, actually, because I was just thinking whilst I was talking about that one. Um, <laughs> out of nowhere last year, I was watch- I ended up watching a lot of Mississippi State. And I don't know why, because offensively, I- oh, for Charles Cross. Charles Cross, come on, mate. Yeah. OT1, hello. <laughs> I was trying to think of, yeah, because I was trying to think of... Uh, who the callback was, I think I was watching, yeah, I wasn't watching for him. Uh, but their center, La Quinston Sharp, brilliant name. Um, he'd been there for like four years and barely played and started all year at center and was excellent. Um, so he's coming back for a sixth year, so he's an older guy. You have to question how why is only just the lights come on now, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But what I saw was a short, squatty, 
people moving type person, although the run game isn't great at Mississippi or used a great deal. Um, but he held up incredibly well in pass pro. So it's another one that I think I think he should be draftable. Well, I, he didn't pop off the page for me when I was watching Mississippi State, but that's only because I was just so focused and enamored with Charles Cross yeah. that anyone yeah. else on that field was just like, didn't care because Charles Cross is that damn good. Um, but, that's fair. but yeah, no, no. Keith, it's been an awesome conversation going through the position groups that we absolutely love. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully you listeners have got some uh, idea of some of the names that will be pushing their way up the boards and highlighting themselves come come next April. So it's been a really fun conversation. Um, Keith, uh, in terms of signing off, um, just give uh, everyone an idea of where we can find you and a plug about anything that's sort of upcoming now. We're into the summer and the season's approaching very soon. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter at Lord Luckin. Um I haven't been churning out many bits, really. Uh, I spent a lot of the summer really focusing on this next group. I hate when you have to put the old group to bed. Uh, it's it's you know when you, it's like raising a kid in one year and send them off to college, and you're going, <laughs> oh Christ! But then you have another one. You go, okay, <laughs> here we go again. Um, so I found it really hard to sort of sign off from last year's class. Um, so I've left it a little bit late to start the summer stuff, but I'm flying at it now. Um, and yeah, I've, I've seen my overall initial thoughts are I'm not sure what this this class is going to be because I don't know about you. You did the quarterbacks with Kieran, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I have court- issues with Brad and Young. Not not massive issues. They're clearly better than what we had last year. But I don't know if they're number one and two in this entire draft, if that's what translates. I do. I, I have some problems there. Who is your number one? Just, just. It's Stroud. You have Stroud, yeah. I have Stroud over Young. Um, I think they're, they're clearly the best two. And there's sort of a lot of, you know, like we're talking quarterbacks now on an offensive line show, but it's, I think, I don't know, I just feel that quarterback, because of what happened last year, I'm just scared that people are going to go a little bit over the top with this quarterback class and I think you might get stung but that's just me I'm, a, I'm quite a negative person so you know what I mean ever the pessimist in our group <laughs> let me introduce <laughs> you to Lord Luckin there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, no that's, a, that's an interesting take we might have to get you and Kieran on a pod to thrash it out because uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, he uh, sort of had to big up CJ Stroud, even though he was doing it through gritted teeth. So um, in, interesting times. Um, and just to sign off for myself, so uh, find me on Twitter at The Garch. Um, in terms of sort of, I'll be doing a lot of these summer scouting pods on the offense. Well, not a lot of them, all of them hosting them. So uh, you'll hear me for the wide receivers, tight ends and running backs. I think out of all the class, out of all the position groups, I think the running back is maybe running back class is probably the most exciting out of all of them. I think it's absolutely stacked this year. Um, fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, you know, we have the, it's going to rear that age old conversation. You shouldn't take a running back in the first round, but I think this year, I think there may well, be. Well, once, once going in the first round, it has to. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. One and possibly a couple yeah. more. Um, we shall see. But um, yeah, I'll be doing those pods as well with the guys. And then, um, and before you know it, it's the season starting. So uh, full steam ahead. So, on that note, Keith, cheers. Always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And um, we shall speak soon. Take care.
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.